This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Rick Henderson and welcome to the latest episode of the Pocket Link Podcast. It's another special edition this week as Amazon held its major product showcase event in the week and unleashed a whole swathe of new devices and updates, including in its Echo, Kindle and Ring ranges. We'll therefore dedicate the entire show to the Amazon announcements and what they'll mean for you. Joining me is Pocket Link's editorial director, Chris Hall, who attended a London launch event to see the action unfold, so can talk about the different launches. So, Chris, let's start at the beginning and look at what I think was arguably the biggest announcement during the event, the Kindle Scribe. What is it and how does it differ from a traditional Kindle? Well, Amazon seems to have gone in a different direction with the Kindle Scribe because this is the first device that's actually going to accept pen input. So you'll be able to write on it and scribble on it and take notes and do a whole load of other stuff. Um, and it's it's a very different way of using a Kindle from anything that I've ever used before, because previously I've just found a book, opened it, read it, and then moved on. Uh, and this seems to be much more focused around taking notes, annotations, and you know a whole range of other little tasks that you might have used a traditional notebook for. Um, and so Amazon is really just trying to move into that space and say, well, you don't need paper. You can do it all through this piece of technology instead. I mean, interestingly, um, I've been talking to several different people about e-readers recently. And one of the things I've always asked them is is how they've kind of survived beyond the birth of the tablet. However, with the Kindle Scribe, it almost seems like Amazon wants to make it kind of a tablet. Yeah, it's it's interesting because one of the one of the features they showed off was somebody drawing. And bearing in mind this is a sort of mono experience, this is black and white. Um and the iPad will let you paint in a in as many colours as you can possibly imagine in so many different ways. So it, it does seem a strange thing, but there are a few products like this on the market already. Uh the one that people may have heard of is called Remarkable. And that's quite popular with people who are studying, students, people who want to take notes and be able to record those easily without having to mess around with all of the paperwork. So I think it's a small niche. Uh, it may be incredibly popular. I, For me personally, I work with a notepad next to me all the time. And if I can replace that with one device, make it easier to sync those notes to other areas, to share those scribbles as real text with people, then perhaps this is the way of taking my pen and paper into the future. Amazon also told me that um, Word, Microsoft Word will be supported come early next year or next year anyway, um, whereby you'll be able to uh, transfer Word documents from directly within Word on Mac or PC um, straight to your Kindle Scribe. And therefore, you can then annotate and work on your Word documents. Um, so that kind of makes it, and it, again, it sort of like highlights the almost student angle. Yeah, I mean, it's one way of breaking it out of Amazon's ecosystem in a way, because you might think uh, this is going to get stuck somewhere in one of Amazon's servers, and how am I going to access that? But 
if you're syncing it through Word, then uh, then Microsoft has already done a good job of giving you access to to those documents in lots of places. I use them at the moment, for example, uh, and you could equally say that Google would have been another option to do that, but they obviously decided that Microsoft was the way to go. And perhaps that gives it more of a sort of professional feeling that they want to appeal to those people who think they're actually doing some serious work on it. Um, my only criticism of the scribe, perhaps, is um, came at the end of their announcement, which is the price. Uh, the one thing that I did notice is it, it's not cheap. No, it's not. And we're getting quite close to iPad territory here. I mean, yeah. Amazon's own Fire tablets are substantially cheaper than this because uh, you're looking at about £330, $340. Um, and yeah, that's quite a lot of money. So you're really going to have to be sold on the functions that it offers. And that includes just the basic pen because they've also got a premium pen to be released alongside it, which uh, we don't know how much that will cost, but that adds a, a digital eraser on the top and a little customizable button. But of course, that will bump the price up even more. You do get four months of free Kindle Unlimited, though. So you can you can read your Kindle books for free, you can, essentially. You can read those exquisite works of art and scribble all over them and say, nope, you <laughs> used the wrong words, Dickens. What were you thinking? Uh, moving on from the Kindle scribe, um, something that was a little bit more different, well, very different to the Kindle scribe, um, was the Halo Rise, which... Um, was I? I had a little bit of trouble getting my head around what its purpose was. So maybe you can explain a bit more. Okay, so I have first-hand experience of this kind of thing before because it's almost exactly the same as the system that Google put into one of its previous Nest hubs, and that is that it can detect your sleeping and give you an analysis of how you slept without having to have any physical contact. So no wristbands, no under the under the mattress mats, nothing like that. You just have to make sure that it detects you and then it will give you a readout from the person who's closest to the device. And that's an important point because if you've got two people in a bed, it will only cap capture the person who is sleeping closest to it. But they have taken it into a new direction and also combined it with a wake-up light and you know rolled in some other uh, Alexa compatibility. So this is a sort of standalone bedside device, and it actually looks fairly elegant compared to uh, Google's solution, which was how big it is. It's about seven or eight inch screen, full color, does yeah. all of the Google Assistant stuff. And you may not want all of that next to your bed, whereas this is sympathetically designed. The idea of putting a wake up light into it is great because these are very popular, especially for people who may not be able to wake up with daylight if you're working at strange times. And the idea here is that as your sleep is being analysed, you can set your alarm and then the wake-up light will come on to gradually increase the light level in the room at the right time in your sleep pattern so that you can wake up feeling refreshed. Because what you don't want is a really harsh alarm going off when you're in really, really deep sleep, sleep and then wrenching you back into the real world uh, because that's apparently really bad for your sleep and it's also a horrible experience. My only... Um, my, my, my feeling about these things, though, is it's a bit strange because most people have to get out of bed at a particular time so that they can catch a train or get the kids to school or do whatever. And if you're leaving that to the detection of Amazon just to say, well, now is probably the right time to get up, you might <laughs> find yourself being late or being really early for everything. 
Um, the other thing I thought it looked like is a create is a content creator's ring light. That's kind of the way I saw it. Um, but I've actually seen these kind of wake up lights before. Obviously, this is a lot more smarter than that. Um, but uh, wake up lights. I think Philips Hue did one back in the day. Yeah. Um, and um, Nintendo was working one. Why I don't know. But Nintendo <laughs> was actually long rumored to be working on one and had a patent going. But no, it looked okay. I, and at the very least, it sort of like solves that problem of uh, that a lot of people were worried about having a camera in their room um, with a smart a voice assistant or a smart assistant. Um, so that's always been one of the small issues, a microphone listening to them all the time. So because this doesn't do that, it has motion sensors instead, I can see people adopting it a bit more. Did they, uh, did they mention a price? They did mention a price. It's going to be... Wait for it. $140. Wow. So, it, again, it's not cheap, but I actually think this could be quite popular. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it works. Although there is this, uh, there's this ongoing debate about how useful this, this sort of sleep tracking actually is. Because when you wake up in the morning or when you are wrenched from half sleep early in the morning and you think, why didn't I sleep well? You, you kind of know that you had a bad night's sleep. And you don't always need that technology to help you. There's the sort of suggestion here that you might rise after seven hours of sleep to be told, yeah, you could do with going to bed a little bit earlier. But in my experience, life isn't really like that. You yeah. you struggle to go to sleep or you don't struggle to go to sleep. Um, obviously, sleep is incredibly important and people are right to focus on how to improve their sleep, but I'm not sure that just telling people that they slept badly or slept well is really the solution. At least you don't have to wear a device on your wrist because I no. I always struggle to sleep with a watch on, for example. Um, or handcuffs. On to, yeah. <laughs> don't struggle to sleep. <laughs> um, we'll move on <laughs> to Echo. <laughs> And uh, there were three Echo announcements. One was just a minor upgrade. It was a minor upgrade to the Echo Studio, which was kind of an audio boost and a new color. Um, but the perhaps the, the two bigger devices was an Echo Dot and a new Echo Audio. So what was the difference with the new Echo Dot? Okay, so the Echo Dot is one of Amazon's bestsellers, uh, probably because it's one of the cheaper ones. Uh, so you can just grab one, stick it in any room, and then you've got a fairly capable speaker and all of the, the fun of Alexa bundled into it. They haven't changed the design this time around, so it, it's still the spherical sort of ball of the previous generation, but they have made some internal upgrades to make it better. So there's the promise that it sounds better and, and the the... Uh, the message here is that you'll get two times more bass out of it. Um, but there are some other clever little bits and pieces that have happened here. Um, so one of the things is that there are now new sensors that have been bundled into it. So there is an accelerometer which will allow new tap controls, for example, so that you can you can interact with it in more ways. And there is also a temperature sensor. And these have been in some of the Echoes in the past. And they're actually really useful because it means that you can get the temperature for the room just by asking what's the temperature in here. And, and that's always really, really useful because you can tie that into Alexa routines. So, for example, if your room is cold, you can have it turn the heating on. If your room is too hot, you could turn on your air conditioner or your fan. Um, 
and it's just a it's just a nice nice little addition that will just make the experience better it makes them more complete but there is another addition where amazon is trying to leverage its eero brand which is its sort of home mesh networking system and it's including the technology that will enable echo dots now to be eero nodes in effect to broaden your eero network so if you put one of these in your bedroom and you have a fire TV stick or something in your TV up there, it can connect to it so you have a much stronger connection than if if the closest connection point was downstairs, for example. So for Eero users, there's a chance here that you could expand your network and have a much have much better connectivity around your home. Alongside the Echo Dot is a new Echo Dot with clock. Again, same thing, but the display now uses a better sort of micro dot system so it can show you more information, but otherwise it gets all the enhancements that the other one did and there are a couple of cuter uh, echo dot kids as well yes there's now one that looks like an owl <laughs> which is which is nice for harry potter fans yeah for example um uh also in the echo range um something that i particularly covered and and was i was always interested in the original is the echo show echo auto sorry which uh, uh i was interested in the original but i never found it that useful <laughs> nor nor particularly practical. It came with a particular way of mounting it in the car, which never kind of fitted into any vehicle that I've owned. So um, so to hear about the new Echo Auto was quite good because not only have they made it slimmer and smarter, it's got five new microphones in it, so now it's even better at picking up your voice over, say, playing music in the car. Um, it actually... Is comes with an adhesive mount system that you can pretty much now place anywhere in the car, um, and of course it will just listen to you. So you, you don't necessarily even need to be it need it to be at the front of the car. You could put it in the rear. So um, that kind of made sense to me. Obviously, it still needs power and it still needs to connect to your mobile device, but it actually made a lot more sense. Um, also, they're tweaking the usability of it in the fact that they're adding additional things like roadside assistance. So you go, help, Alexa, I need roadside <laughs> assistance. It contacts an agent. I don't know if this is US only right now, but it contacts an agent who will then figure out what kind of assistance you need and then contact the best person to help you out. For example, if you need a tire changed or uh, um, it will call some kind of breakdown service. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I must admit, I was surprised. I thought they might just ditch the Echo um, Auto entirely because I, I didn't think it had been particularly successful. But yeah. I think these new changes seem to make it much more useful. I think a lot of the success of the Echo Auto is going to depend on how well it works because I've had one in my car since it launched in the UK and I use it on and off. But one of the problems that that I seem to find with it is stability. It will often crash and then become unresponsive. And you have to set up everything in a particular way. You have to add it as an Alexa device through the Alexa app on your phone. And for me, when I change phones every couple of weeks because I'm reviewing <laughs> yeah. them, it becomes quite boring. But when I go on holiday and stuff, it could be quite useful because you can be driving around in another country and you can just get it to stream stuff from your phone. And it can be really useful. Um, and and the voice control is 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 great for it, and you can get it to give you navigation instructions on the display of your phone, and this all happens remotely, so that so it is really clever. But sometimes you'll be driving around 
and then it'll stop talking to you and then it'll stop responding and then it'll just go completely silent and you'll realize that it seems to have crashed and I always have to wake it up by doing a complete power cycle on it which often means unplugging it and plugging it back in again it's the you know the number one rate way to solve any tech problem but that's definitely what I'll be looking at is stability yeah, that was one of the words they did actually mention in the uh, in the presentation was stability. Um, I think they've made it more stable. Um, it's also interesting to note that BMW have decided to switch to Alexa for their voice assistants in their vehicles from about 2024. Um, so I think we're going to see a big push into vehicles and Alexa in the in the coming years. For sure. Yeah, they've been they've been slowly making moves, um, and it sounds like there is a more wholesale shift over. And I think this is part of uh, automotive manufacturers realizing that the amount of time and effort and money they'd have to put into developing rival systems is just not worth it. The platforms are there. Google is also pushing their platform hard in a number of different cars. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more of this in the future. Definitely, and it makes sense. Um, now on to Fire TV. Now, Fire TV is a big, big area for Amazon, um, but un- we didn't see any of the sort of like the more regular Fire TV devices. We didn't see a refresh of those, but we did see a refresh of the Fire TV Cube, which is, uh, and it's quite a significant refresh at that. Um, Chris, did you uh, like what you saw? Well, I do. But I always have this this straight. I think that Fire TV Cube sits in a strange position because it's a, it's a sort of micro set top box, and while the other devices are cheaper and slimmer, and they they basically plug in and hide behind your TV, the Fire TV Cube is all about being out front, and this is the second third generation, in fact, and it's fully capable, so it will support all of your all of your different formats. But one of the things they're really pushing here is resolution upscaling. And so people are asking that question, well, if you can do the upscaling from a streaming service, does that mean I don't have to pay for a higher tier of, <laughs> of, of that streaming service? So can I save some money by going for the entry level, stream it at full HD and have it upscaled to 4K? Now, as an enthusiast for, of streaming and a proud 4K HDR TV owner, I'd probably say that the native 4K HDR stream is going to look better than the upscaled one, but... Amazon do it well, then there's the possibility that it could look good. But the other interesting thing here is that uh, that they have added an HDMI input as well, which takes it into a new direction and sort of says, well, this is a device that could do a whole lot more. So it really has moved. You know, it's it's, it's almost in a category of its own because everything else is about blending into the background and being invisible. And Fire TV Cube is very much about sitting there at the front, ready to take your voice commands and give you all of these extra functions. So there is quite a lot going on here. Yeah, I, the the thing that impressed me most was that I had my input. For example, you can you can put a console into the this is what I took from it is that you can put a console into the back and then use voice commands to switch on that console to um, to activate the console. So uh, and because it obviously will have H, uh, HDMI CEC then obviously it can it can power use the power across them and maybe some functionality so that there's definitely some potential there we need to find out more exactly how it works when it comes it's coming in october uh, towards the end of october but it definitely looks good um the only thing i would say personally is that the fire tv 
4K stick, the latest one, is so good that I don't know if you really need to spend an awful lot more on a separate device that's a bit chunkier just for a switching HDMI inputs. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it's, it is that classic case of bundling everything into one. And you could see that Amazon probably said, well, there's an opportunity here for people in university dorm rooms or something where they just want one thing that's going to do everything. And because it is, you know, voice controlled as well, you get the Alexa side of it. It means you don't have to use multiple devices across the system. Um, whether it would be popular for people in their homes, I don't know. I mean, we, we would really have to look at how well that input works, what it really gives you, because you're right, this is quite a lot more expensive than the other sticks because Amazon has really kept the price of those low. So you can get really good quality streaming stick from the, from the 4K stick that you, you mentioned, and that is about a third of the price, quarter of the price. Of course, what they actually also hope is that you'll um, the Fire TV Cube took almost. You don't have to switch on your telly; you can still use it as an Alexa speaker, essentially as well. So you could just use that instead of an Echo Dot, for example, in your home. But um, yeah, whether I mean, I know they're very popular in the US. I don't know how popular they are in the UK. Um, but they also, alongside it. They announced something that is an add-on accessory to pretty much every Fire TV that is out there, is the Alexa Voice Remote Pro. Now, what are the pros, sort of like bonuses you get with that? The big thing here is that you can find it. So <laughs> so it's impossible to lose because you can now, you, you will now if, effectively be able to ask Alexa to find your remote. So when it falls, falls on the floor, gets kicked away, stolen by the dog or whatever, you can just ask for it and then it will, you know, you'll be able to detect it. So that's, that's really useful. People love to be able to find remote controls and it immediately addresses one of the common pain points with, with remotes. But there is, there are some premium touches here. So you have backlighting on the buttons which just makes everything feel a little bit better and a little bit more premium. And you actually have programmable buttons as well. So you'll be able to assign those to functions, you know, specific to your TV, or you can use those to trigger any Alexa routine. So that could be to lock up your entire house, to put the room into movie watching mode or or whatever it is. Um, I don't know how many people have bespoke home cinemas with all the connections going through Alexa, but if you do, you could you could control it through those programmable buttons. And that's pretty that's pretty neat that you can also add that to an existing Fire TV stick. Yeah, yeah. But this is going to be an, uh, an optional extra, so you'll have to go yeah. out and buy this uh, and add it to the, to the system you already have. Um, the last of the Fire TV announcements was that it is bringing a new TV. I think it's in the States only at the moment, um, or probably in States only anyway, is the Fire TV Omni QLED TV. And the only main reason I mention it is because finally they're going to make a TV that isn't cheap as chips with Fire TV in it. Um, currently, almost all the Fire TV t TVs that have been released so far are pretty much in the low to mid-range, this is a much better-looking television. That's about all. <laughs> That's about all we need to say about that. Now, now on to the smart home stuff. Now, I was expecting a lot more out of smart home um, before the event started, but we kind of they kind of 
briefly glanced over it. And that was, uh, there were a couple of announcements from Blink and one announcement from Ring. Certainly Ring was underserved, I thought. I thought we'd see a lot more from Ring. We got a Spotlight Cam Pro, which is just another camera that can light up. But with the Blink stuff, the most interesting part was the Blink Mini Pan Tilt. Now, it's not actually a camera as such, but um, explain more, Chris. The Mini Pan Tilt is an accessory that you can add to a Blink Mini camera. And and it's effectively a mount. So you can put it on it and then you get remote control so that you can look around the room and see the whole of the room rather than it just pointing in one direction. Uh, it's, It's a really, really interesting idea. Um, and I am pretty excited about this, actually, because it does move your static indoor camera into something that's much more versatile. It means that you can look around, you can check to see what has what's happened where, especially because these things have audio on them as well. So if it detects a sound, you can go off and look and see what that sound is. Uh, and we know Amazon is a fan of being able to, to adjust your security device to take it to whatever's happening and we've seen that with with things like astro that will be a roving security guard and the the flying drone that they had last year that i i think it's available in the us we certainly don't have it in the uk um but this is this is a more accessible way of doing these things so put it in the corner of your room and then you can move it around and have a look all over the place so yeah the uh, the pan tilt is is certainly going to be an interesting addition what I was quite pleased, uh, quite impressed with is not only can you buy the pan tilt separately if you already own a Blink Mini camera um, for $29.99, um, you can actually buy the accessory with the camera itself as well for just $59.99. And, and that kind of says to me what, where Amazon positions its Blink range is it's very, very affordable. Um, in comparison is, to Ring, because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the products, and in fact, just like the Ring Spotlight camera, so too was a Blink Spotlight camera also announced. But the price disparity is quite large, um, and the Blink stuff is a very easy, very affordable way of getting into ho- smart home security. I think. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that Amazon is running with these two brands. I mean, obviously, um, Ring was a separate brand and was acquired. Uh, Blink may have been a separate brand too, but. But yeah, Blink is definitely the affordable side of the range, whereas Ring is being pushed as the more premium thing. Um, but talking about the uh, Ring Spotlight Cam Pro, there's actually something really interesting here, and I don't know how many people picked up on it because the main message here is not that there's a new Spotlight Cam because this is essentially the same design as the one I already have stuck on the outside of my house. It's the Pro part that's important because the Pro bit uses radar, and this is this is a bit weird, okay? Wow! So it, yeah, it's using that. radar to map the map what it sees, rather than using infrared, which which most of them do uh, to, for their motion detection. It will give you a radar map, so it can actually tell you exactly what's happening where, and that radar will be able to te- will be configurable so that you could say, "Do not trigger it if it's beyond my garden fence," for example, and so. And, and and what it can do because it can do 3D motion detection because of you know radar's ability to fire out and receive back uh, those things and, and and interpret the data is it should be able to give you a bird's eye view map which can show you where things happened in your garden. So if you get somebody who comes in and walks around in a route, you should be able to have a view and say, oh yeah, they went over there and then went over there and then walked away again. 
there's a lot that's being promised here. And that part of it is actually quite novel. So again, this is something I'd be really, really keen to see how well it works. Um, it will probably mean that you have a good map of where your cat walks and where the neighbor's cat walks and where they have their fights and stuff like that. But um, yeah, if if this works as promised, then we could expect to see radar and te- technologies like that appearing in a lot more security cameras, I think. That'd be great in a ring doorbell. Oh, that would be really good. Um, and I wonder if you could then tell it not to go off when the milkman arrives. <laughs> you probably could do. Because <laughs> my milkman comes at about three in the morning and always wakes me up. Um, so uh, let's let's end with uh, looking at anything that was, as you said earlier, Amazon tends uh, during these events to launch something a little bit, bit more esoteric. Uh, in the past, it has had its drone. It's had um, Astro, the robot, which was last year. It did announce a few small updates to Astro, Astro the robot, but um, didn't really announce anything weird, which is weird. Weird, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that is strange. It it was fairly fairly normal. It was. <laughs> it was for an Amazon event. It was particularly un- unusual. So uh, <laughs> so, but it did have an awful lot of products, and they, uh, you know, in all in all honesty, they all look pretty useful. Um, I wonder about the Kindle Scribe, but it does certainly um, expand a, expand an area that probably needed innovation. To be honest, certainly, there's definitely enough new here to to be exciting. All of the stuff is going to appear in the next weeks or months. Most of it's on pre order already, so you can see that this is really a lineup of things that people may say, "I want that for Christmas." So and hopefully, we'll get to see them before. And if you're not interested in those things, um, Amazon's about to have another Prime Day event to <laughs> uh, to sell off all the last generation stuff. So you'll be able to pick up stuff at half the price or even less over uh, – when is that, Chris? When's the day? Uh, it's, it's in the it's 11th, the 11th, 11th and 12th of October. So, so perfect. Yeah, a couple of weeks away. All right. So thank you, Chris. That's, uh, that's great. And that's it for another Pocketlin podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please don't hesitate to leave a comment and or star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PocketLint and Instagram at PocketLintCom, all one word. And of course, catch up with the latest news, reviews and buying advice on www.pocket-lint.com. We'll be back with another PocketLint podcast soon, so join us then for some more tech chat. I've been Rick Henderson and have a jolly good one. Tidy bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.